Hey, everybody, this is Never Heard of It Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell, and this is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. Doing a tee-up episode today, and I'm joined, as always, by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Are you at home? Are you healthy? Uh, Sean, I'm doing great. I am at home. My whole family is here. So far, everyone's been healthy, so... That's definitely a plus. How about you on your side? The same, and the county that I live in just issued a stay-at-home order that went in effect, I think, yesterday at the time of this recording, and hopefully people are abiding. I don't really, you know, I haven't been out, obviously, so I don't know what that looks like exactly as far as how you monitor that with people still needing to get certain places and, you know, get gas and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So we'll see, you know, where you obviously are taking it day by day. But yes, my family is all pretty much uh, homeward bound right now, and the weather is lovely, so there are things to get outside and do and stay sane, and hopefully uh, everyone is doing that that can, and yeah, take care. It does not sound like we are anywhere near uh, close to being out of the woods on this yet, Yeah, and maybe well, so hunker down, watch some movies, and we'll keep doing the podcast, so you'll have something to also drive you insane with. <laughs> We're talking about a movie called Phase 4 today. This is from 1974. Uh, will you humor me with a little experiment here? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so Phase 4 is written with uh, the Roman numeral 4, which of course, as we know, is IV. So right. uh, I just, something occurred to me when I was thinking about that earlier today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something mm-hmm. to okay. you. And now I'm going to pause, and then I want you to respond by saying phase IV kind of, kind of quickly. Okay? okay. And if you want to put a little oomph on the V at the okay. end, that, that would help. I'll okay. do my best. Ready? All right. Bonjour, Craig. Comment allez-vous? Phase IV? See? That's yeah. like a French. We just, we just conversed in French, mm-hmm. right? Phase IV. So phase four, yeah. uh, this is a horror sci-fi thriller, according to IMDb. I'll give the synopsis real quick, and then uh, we're going to talk about the people who made this and some fun facts from the making itself. Desert ants suddenly form a collective intelligence, which I think we've all been waiting to happen mm-hmm. anyway, right? And begin to wage war on the inhabitants. It is up to two scientists and a stray girl they rescue from the ants to destroy them. Folks, don't be that stray girl that gets uh, gets captured by the ants when this does happen, okay? Well, I'm just going to put that out there. And this is streaming right now on Amazon Prime. If you remember, you can watch it with no extra cost to you. And we hope that you will. Just looking at this poster, I'm already completely psyched. I was not familiar with this. You put it on my radar. Uh, any ideas about when this popped into your Film brain, Craig? Well, I can tell you exactly when it popped into my film brain, Sean, and that's when uh, listener Terry Welch suggested that we watch this. Thank you, Terry. Yes, very much so. Uh, I remember, you know, seeing this in video store. I remember the the, the video cover for this. Always looked interesting to me, but I never picked it up. Uh, So, yeah, it's time to check this off the list. I think so, and um, I'm very excited about at least one of the people that is involved in the making, which I had no clue about. Yeah. So maybe we'll transition to that now. Why don't you tell us who made this darn thing? Phase I will tell you who made this. Uh, here's the deal. Phase 4, 1974, mm-hmm. this movie came out, and it was directed just before it came out by Saul Bass. That's insane. Yeah. 
That is, yes. I had no idea he had ever made a movie. Tell me more. Right. Had no idea he made a movie, that he directed a movie, and this is the movie he directed. Like, phase four, it just seems, <laughs> it seems odd that this would really be the does. movie he went for. Uh, but here's, and as far as I know, this is the only feature he ever directed. Uh, now, Saul Bass is best known for his title sequences. You would have seen him in Vertigo and Psycho, Anatomy of a Murder, North by Northwest, 1995's Casino, Goodfellas, Cape Fear. Uh, he's designed a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, um, title sequences. He was also a visual consultant on movies like Grand Prix from 1966 and West Side Story, 1961. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so cool. he's done a lot of, uh, visual design work in the movies. So fear. That's a word. Yeah, I think so. Right. I know what you mean. But yeah, I mean, the guy is like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard to come to prominence in what he does i think yeah. or did and it's you know it's a true visual artist applying it to this sort of moving medium so uh yeah it's it's obviously a great great talent yeah. at least in that in that arena of the world of filmmaking we'll find out uh how great of a talent he is at directing right uh, when we watch this so yeah i mean it excited. does set up an expectation for how this will look Yes, I you hope know? the title credits are at least interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> got to be <laughs> opening and closing of this movie have got to be visually uh, extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, now, the movie was written by Mayo Simon, who Love wrote Future World, which was the sequel to what movie? Westworld. That's correct. Good. Future World was the sequel to uh, Westworld, came out in 1976. Uh, Mayo also wrote uh, for a TV show called The Kaiser Aluminum Hour. Wow. Sponsored by Kaiser Aluminum <laughs> Foil. Oh, that's awesome. We're produced this week by only one person. Get out of here. Only one person produced that, this movie. That's something that can happen? Oh, I'm so happy. Well, l l let me put it another way. Only one person is credited with producing this movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's Paul B. Radin, possibly Radin, maybe Radan. I don't know. I mm. think it's uh, uh, probably Radin. Paul, I'm going to say Raiden. I like I'm going to work it out right here on the podcast, Sean. I'm going to well, let everybody a, see the guts of this. Yeah. It's the most active of the pronunciations you gave. <laughs> yeah, it's not like yes. he's doing something, right? It does. Paul B. Raiden. <laughs> now, Paul uh, also produced The Ghost and the Darkness in 1996. Oh, wow. That Mi Michael Douglas Val Kilmer movie, which I never saw. Lions, and, yeah. And I've always I've kind of heard that it was good. And I don't know. I never, never kind of jumped into it. But uh, he also produced Born Free, 1966. And he also produced the TV show Manimal from oh, 1983. Yeah. I, um, Manimal. It came across my desk a couple years ago that there was interest in rebooting that as a comedic feature. Um, so I know a little, I did a little digging on Manimal, but yeah, that's cool that he was involved with that. I could be your visual consultant on that because. That that show only lasted one season in 1983. I wasn't even 10. Yeah. And I still remember <laughs> like okay. almost yeah. everything about that show. I loved that show. <laughs> you were an um, animal fanimal. I got it. I am a fanimal of manimal. Uh, music is by I've written Brain. I'm sure it's Brian. Gascoigne. <laughs> no, Gascoigne. Uh, definitely I'm killing that name. I apologize, Brain. But 1985's, uh, he also did the music for 1985's The Emerald Forest, 
which mm-hmm. we have seen on this here podcast. Yeah. If you look back in the archives, really gave a good talk movie. about that. Yeah. Uh, also did music for the 2009 information video, Understanding High Blood Pressure. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, in case mm. you're uh, a Brian Gascoigne completist. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I honestly, I, I wrote all of these down, Sean, and yeah. I didn't even think about having to say them. Okay. So this actually never occurred to me to be funny, and it's really not that funny. <sighs> it's just more stuff I'm gonna end up cutting out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> cinematography by Dick Bush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you think he went by Richard? Could could have just done Richard Bush. Yeah, either way. Rick Bush <laughs> would have been nice. But Dick Bush, <laughs> he also shot William Friedkin's Sorcerer, which I've never seen in 1977. Me either. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you yet. say that. Yes, because yeah. I've been embarrassed to admit it forever. Oh man, I, I want to see that movie real bad. No, and you I, can't stream it anywhere, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I feel like there was a Blu-ray came out a few years ago, but it's still like very rare to find it. Yeah. Uh, not that I've really that been looking for it. Maybe it's yeah, maybe it's easier to find than I thought. But anyway, Dick Bush also shot the Who's Tommy in 1975. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dick Bush. Now, mm-hmm. edited by William Kemplin. Uh. Uh, an easier name to to get through. Yeah. William edited Cleopatra Jones and the Casino of Gold in 1975. Fantastic. And also a movie called The Breaking of Bumbo in 1970. <laughs> breaking Bumbo? That the was... Breaking of Bumbo. Want to watch right. The Breaking of Bumbo? Who's Bumbo? Why did he have to break? That's uh, Dumbo's brother. Man, maybe. Now, we get to our cast, Sean. Now that we know who put it all together... Here's yep. our cast. It's starring Nigel Davenport as Dr. Ernest D. Hubbs. Now, you might have seen Nigel in such movies as Chariots of Fire in 1981 mm. and uh, Greystoke in 1984. Greystoke okay. being the legend of Tarzan. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen either one of those the whole way through. Neither have I. So I'm not sure that I've seen Nigel Davenport, but I'm going to see him now. Uh Next up, we've got Michael Murphy as James R. Lesko. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. Uh, Murphy played John Triplett in Nashville in 1979. No kidding, okay. Uh, he played uh, Melee Marston in MASH, 1970. He played the character Rice in Cloak and Dagger in 1984. And uh, I think when you see him, if you remember Cloak and Dagger the way I remember Cloak and Dagger which was also another one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when I saw him, I was like, oh man, that guy I used to be afraid of because he was scary in that movie. He, um, I think, will be recognizable to a lot of people. I mean, he's been in a lot of things. He's like, been in a lot of stuff. He was also, yeah. yeah, he was the mayor in uh, Batman Returns also. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you've seen him a million times. We've got Lynn Frederick as Kendra Eldridge. She was in the movie Schizo in 1976, among some others. Uh, Alan Gifford as Mr. Eldridge. Now, he was in, uh, he appeared in 2001, uh, credited as Poole's father. And, uh, yeah. In 1968's Only When I Larf. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah. Is that uh something that happened on your phone when you were typing or is that actually no i know i know i would have thought too i almost said only when i left Mm -hmm. and i was like why would i note that as a notable title that doesn't i don't that's not recognizable at all but then i realized it said larf so only when i larf find out what that means uh when you watch only when i larf (laughs) next up we have robert henderson as cleat he played this is kind of interesting he played mr simpson in Superman 3. Huh. Uh, and he played second editor in Superman. He was in bo- he was in Superman and Superman Weird. 3 as two different characters, it would seem. Now, next we have Helen Horton as Mildred Eldridge. Mm-hmm. She's the voice of Mother in Alien. Oh, very cool. Here's the thing, though. She played Miss Henderson in superman 3 so robert henderson played mr simpson in superman 3 helen horton played miss henderson in superman 3 too weird coincidence uh i would say not no no i don't think so uh also she played the red cross lady in 1984's the razor's edge Hmm. that bill murray drama which uh i still really want to see man i mean it looks so the poster is so dramatic can't imagine what people thought when that came out then because i mean bill murray was at his heights as a comedic actor and then that is a dramatic ooh, poster yeah it's Painted and i mean it's a really it. nice poster yeah um so yeah maybe we should put that on the list i want to see that movie anyway lastly but not leastly we have david healy as radio announcer voice uncredited he played mr danvers in supergirl what i know we had a lot of, it was a very heavy, super uh, uh, contingent, little mm-hmm. cohort of supers here at the end. But uh, Sean, that's all I've got in terms of uh, who put this thing together and who's in it. So I'm curious to know what you know about what happened behind the scenes. Well, most of what I know comes from Wikipedia today, and that includes the fact that perhaps Lynn Frederick was not the first choice for that role in this movie. Oh. Uh, Apparently, Linda Blair was strongly considered for the role. She auditioned, and she impressed Sal Bass and was asked back for several callbacks. She did a screen test, which I wonder if that's out there somewhere. But they ultimately decided she was too young at the time, and their budget was limited, and they thought perhaps they could not afford her. Um in light of The Exorcist, I'm assuming, which was 73? I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Clearly it had been made, because otherwise Linda Blair would not be demanding any type of big salary, right, at the time? Right. So um, Nigel Davenport, the man that we don't know that well, had worked with Lynn Frederick in a movie called No Blade of Grass in 1970 and recommended her for the role. And obviously she got it, but it seems like during production there were a couple issues. One was she was 20 and she was playing a 16-year-old. And it says that Bass was concerned with her voluptuous and developed figure. And this resulted in her having to wear a specially designed and, quote, painful ironclad corset to bind her breasts to make her appear younger. (laughs) Always sucks. You hear about that happening every now and then. Yeah. just ridiculous. Like, could they not just find someone else? Wow. Uh, he is said to have attempted to persuade her 
to restrict her diet to chicken broth and black coffee, I guess, so she would not gain any more weight. Jeebs. And uh, according to Michael Murphy, uh, Bass was additionally worried that uh, Lynn Frederick, being British, naturally had a British accent. And she was supposed to sound American in this movie since her character is from Arizona. So he made her run lines over and over and over while he listened for any hint of a British accent. And in the goofs category on IMDb for this film, apparently there's still moments where you can hear the, the British slip through. So hopefully it's a very, very strong Cockney accent. And I uh, yes. we'll look forward to that. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, they shot this movie at Pinewood Studios in England, and I'm guessing that perhaps has something to do with why some of the cast is British. But um, uh, exterior locations were then shot in Kenya, even though the movie is set in the desert of Arizona. And uh, I did see elsewhere that they did do some shooting in Arizona, so take this for what it's worth, and uh, maybe it's not quite as much in Kenya as whatever site this was claims, but we'll find out. Disappointing. Um, it was produced by All Said Productions and Paramount Pictures. And according to a book titled Future Tense, Saul Bass had originally filmed a, a different ending for this movie than we are likely to see, Craig. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a very spectacular, surreal montage that lasted four minutes, which kind of makes sense if you think about Sal Bass as the kind of filmmaker that we're talking about here. It's yeah. a lot of visual, a lot of graphic stuff. Also, you're not a decade removed from 2001. Maybe that's an influence there um, in that. But um, you can actually find description of this in the novelization of this movie, which was based on the original screenplay. And that book was written by Barry in Maltzberg. And uh, God knows how easy it is or hard it is to find that book. But uh, check your eBay, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Craig, we have yet one more movie here that uh, may have been tampered with by that one producer or studio head. Um, Uh-oh. Salvas has said in interviews that it was tampered with against his wishes in the editing room. So my guess is that, yeah, he wanted that sequence to be in there, and that is specifically what was then tampered with. Um, You can see moments of this in the theatrical trailer, supposedly. And in 2012, they found a faded print of that original sequence, which was put into um, a cut of the film and screened... um, at the uh, CineFamily Cinema uh, uh, Theater in Los Angeles, which I'm not positive still exists. Um, I know exactly where it is, but don't quote me on that if it's still running. Right on. Um, but then uh, it did go do like a little tour at other art house theaters um, after kind of being cleaned up by the Sal Bass Archives folks, and they struck a new print. And uh, it played at the Alamo Draft House in Austin and elsewhere. And I kind of wonder if there is a uh, Blu-ray perhaps out there or forthcoming um, based off of this new print. But anyway, let's talk about the one that showed up in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, came to America in September of 1974, was in the UK in October that year. In Mexico, it was released as Phase 4 Destrucción. Which I kind of like. Um, Mm -hmm. Taglines. I got a couple of taglines for you today, Craig, and they're not bad. 
Ravenous invaders controlled by a terror out in space commanded to annihilate the world. That's a lot to, that's a lot to take in. That's like that's a, a tag lot. paragraph, right? Yeah. Uh, adapt or die. That's a good one. Can't ever okay. go wrong with that for mm -hmm. a sci-fi film. When you can't scream anymore. Could just be about laryngitis. I don't know. Oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. phase four is when you can't scream anymore. Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. I'm guessing that's because you have too many ants in your throat at that point. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> Got a mouthful of ants. Fair enough. Uh, and then the last one, uh, and maybe this is phase four, the day the earth was turned into a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> I like Dang that, that right? That's really weird. Yeah. Man. Uh, as you might expect for a movie that has anything to do with ants and anything in this kind of genre, it got mixed reviews. Uh, Jay Cox of Time magazine saw the film as, quote, good eerie entertainment with interludes of such haunted visual intensity that it becomes, at its best, a nightmare incarnate. That's, that's a pretty awesome review right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A.H. Weiler of the New York Times wrote, quote, for all of its good scientific and human intentions, phase four cries for a phase five of fuller explanations. Oh, okay. Such a sequel would not come. Uh, more recently, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Ignati, Ignati Vizhnevetsky of the AV Club described it as, quote, designed more than directed, kind of makes sense, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And edited around principles of color and line rather than around performance or plot, which I think knowing that going into this, I, I can probably be okay with them. You know, that makes me more, I guess, forgiving of the movie. So, right. I mean, I that's, that that's kind of what I feel like I'm, I'm in for. Yeah. That's kind of what yeah. I want too. So, what, kind what, of, right? yeah. and lastly, David Cornelius of DVD talk rated it a four and a half out of five stars wrote, quote, watch it late at night with the lights out and you'll get plenty freaked. So I think that's a challenge. We should do that. Right. Absolutely. 4 a.m. Screening. Who's up for it? I'm, I'm there. I'm I'm not. So yeah, yeah overall, 56% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, could not find box office numbers, but it was quoted to be a disappointment and that that had something to do with why Sal Bass never directed anything else. Ah, yeah. That uh, that tends to be the case. Yeah. Yes. The director's jail is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1974, we have talked about before previously – uh, this was the year of Mel Brooks. Blazing Saddles was number one, and Young Frankenstein was number four, which still blows my mind. Uh, disaster films, Towering Inferno, Earthquake, and Airport 1975 are all in the top ten, and also Godfather 2 and Benji. Uh, yes. Chinatown was a big winner at the Golden Globes, Godfather 2 at the Oscars. No such awards for Phase 4, sadly. Mm. Got some fun facts for you here, Craig. Oh, good. Um. Some science nerds have noted that the ant queens seen in the film are actually a species of wasps. <sighs> yeah. There's always somebody, you know? Always. There's always. Gotta somebody. ruin the fun. Um, but this is the first film, supposedly, to depict a geometric crop circle in a movie. Uh, and in fact, the film predates by two years the first modern reports of crop circles in the United Kingdom and is sometimes cited as a possible inspiration or influence on pranksters uh, who started the phenomenon. Wow. I know. I need to read more about that. That's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. The film 
has shown up on Mystery Science Theater 3000, January 1989, which I didn't even realize Mystery Science Theater was uh, even a thing in 1989. But yeah, it's said to be in one of the very, very early episodes, which might be fun to track down uh, after we see this. Uh, The Venerable Waxworks Records. If you ever listen to any industrial music, you know Waxworks Records. They released a soundtrack uh, on vinyl in March of 2015, and I think it's the only release ever of the soundtrack. So that is kind of cool. I'm kind of excited about the music now, if it's in that vein. It makes me yeah. uh, interested. Uh, the movie is said to have had a significant influence on some more recent sci-fi filmmakers. Uh, Argentinian director Nicholas Goldbart described Phase 4 as having a profound cl- uh, cinematic influence on him and his film Phase 7. Uh, the movie Phase 4 is playing on TV, as a matter of fact, in that film. Huh. And Panos Cosmatos, uh, Cosmatos, I think, uh, described Phase 4 as having been a very significant influence on the look and feel of his film Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I think I have seen. I right. definitely know about this movie. Uh, it's relatively recent. Yes. Um. And also there's a, a music video by the band Yaysayer uh, from 2009 for their song Ambling Alp, which is an homage to Phase 4 and inspired uh, many of the visual elements in that uh, music video. Oh. So that might be something worth checking out as well. Yeah. I uh, don't know that I've ever heard anything from that band, but the name I'm familiar with. And that's all I got. Again, this movie is on Amazon Prime. I'm excited about it for a number of reasons. Most of all, Sal Bass, yes, that poster absolutely has me intrigued. And, you know, it's been a little while since we watched the sci-fi film of this ilk. I think um, I Married a Monster from Outer Space is probably the last thing that would qualify. And certainly I think this will be quite different from that. So I hope people will join us, Craig. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, Saul Bass is, is also my the thing I'm most excited about here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get kind of a straight ahead genre movie, but we'll see. We'll see, uh, what the mix was here. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a little while since this came out. Attitudes Mm -hmm. have changed. Maybe he was ahead of his time. Maybe that's what we're going to find out. Maybe. I wonder what the ants feel about it though, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, we don't really take ants seriously in our society, you know? And, uh, I think until we do, we're not really going to know where they stand on it. Yeah, maybe I'll catch some like in a jar and just have them watch the movie with me. I mean, that's that's pretty anti-ant. It is? Yeah. I'll put air holes in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I hope you all will join us. And Craig, if you have any last words for the evening, I would love for you to share them. I do. But it's mainly just to let people know they can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Pretty much just type in Never Podcast in any of those places and you'll find us. Mm-hmm. And then you can also find our uh, our podcast on such places as Anchor, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast. Uh, 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 Lots of casts. Yeah, all kinds of casts. Yeah, your sister's uh, cast for her Yeah, arm. your sister yeah. signed your sister's cast and we're there too. Hey, you know what? Uh, if you can, please leave a review. Uh, and subscribe. And if you want to get in contact with us again, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, come, come, come get us and we'll talk yep. to you there. Yep. Come say hello and make a suggestion and yeah. we'll be back next week to tell you 
what we thought of this movie. Right on. Fais-a-vis. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.